This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this Friday, August 19th, we welcome you to a best of edition of Real Talk. And, and hey, on behalf of myself, Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks, the technical producer of this show, he's really the straw that stirs the drink. We want to thank you for making time and joining us this week as we've looked back on some of our favorite interviews, some of the most powerful conversations on Real Talk in recent memory, the ones that you've told us have resonated with you and the people that you talk to. Coming up on this show, on this episode, you know, Friday, there's a bit of a tradition here, the Real Talk Roundtable. We thought we'd bring you two of them. As a matter of fact, two that we aired back-to-back on May 19th and May 20th, right after Alberta Premier Jason Kenney announced his resignation following a 51% and change approval at the United Conservative Party's annual meeting. We're going to hear from former Deputy Premier Thomas Lukasik, from the United Conservative Party's founding president, Erica Brudis, and from political strategist Melissa Cowett in just a second as they sift through the power structure, the dynamic change, the reasons behind the resignation, and maybe what Alberta politics looks like over the next couple of years. That in just a second. But first, a shout out to the groups that keep us on the air. Apex Automation is putting out the call to engineers across Canada who are looking to make the most of their career and provide intuitive, fully autonomous solutions to industry. Are you dissatisfied where you are now? Do you feel underappreciated? Do you feel like your professional development opportunities are capped? Is there a problem with your corporate culture? Apex Automation could be your next best move. Check them out online at apexautomation.ca. Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge has Alberta's best selection of Chrysler, Jeep, and Ram trucks. You can check them out online or in person today and browse their new and pre-owned selection. Whether you're looking to upsize to make room for a new family member or downsize based on fuel costs, you'll find your perfect fit online or in person at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Eden Landscaping is bringing outdoor spaces to life. In fact, that's what they've been doing for more than 20 years. Mike and his team are experts from modern to traditional design and everything in between. Their projects have one thing in common, happy clients. You can check out their portfolio online today at landscapeedmonton.ca and take the first step toward bringing your outdoor space to life with Eden Landscaping. It's a pleasure to welcome them to the broadcast. Erica Brudis is the founding president of the United Conservative Party. Uh, She joins us uh, in her role currently with Enterprise Canada. Thomas Lukasik is the former deputy premier of the province of Alberta with the Progressive Conservatives, now an entrepreneur with a number of different businesses. And Melissa Cowett is a longtime conservative political strategist joining us. Uh, She's the principal at MC Consulting. Welcome to the three of you. Thanks for making time for us this morning. Looking forward to having this conversation go where it goes. I want to invite you to jump in on each other. You don't have to wait for me to tap you on the shoulder to chime in. Uh, Erica, would you have been, uh, if you were in person there last night, maybe you were, I don't know, but would you have been one of those that gasped in shock as Jason Kenney tendered his resignation? 
would say whether you were a Jason Kenney loyalist or uh, were hoping that he would, um, you know, not receive majority support. I think everyone's jaw dropped last night. And as you mentioned in the speech, you know, it kind of took off like it looked like he was going to stay. Um, he'd always said that that 50% plus one or 50 per, yeah, plus one uh, was enough. And so I think everyone's jaw dropped last night, whether you were in that room or watching a live stream, it was it was a shocking night. So I'm coming here this morning, oh, and two with the Oilers loss last night. Um, so it'll be an interesting few days. Thomas, were you shocked or did you see this coming from a mile away? I don't think anybody saw it coming from a mile away, but I think it was abundantly obvious that he is not going to score much above 50%. The question was, how was he going to handle it? Uh, knowing Jason Kenny, I wouldn't have been surprised if he actually stuck around with uh, his 51%. Um, so the fact that he actually did the honorable thing was a, a bit of a surprise to me. Melissa, surprised or not? Shocked. I think that anybody who knows anything about um, Jason Kenny, whether you know him personally or you've been watching what's been happening over the past several years, he is a fighter. He's a political animal. He works really hard, like him or don't like him, agree with his policies or not. He is super... Um, super invested in whatever role that he has. And so I don't think that anybody really expected that he would, he would do this. Um, I think it is probably um, the best decision for him, given where things are at, even though it's very disappointing for a lot of people and very confusing for people within the movement. But um, yeah, it just, it's, he's a hard worker and he never shies away from a fight. And so I think for that reason, people were just sort of stunned that, um, that this is how things unfolded last night. I know a lot of people were not expecting it. So I guess the question is what happened? The question is, how did Jason Kenny get to this point? Uh, we put out an unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll yesterday, and and I asked folks where they predicted that Jason Kenny's UCP leadership review results would land. 1,305 votes. We left it open just for six hours. I wanted to close it before the results were announced around 7 o'clock. About a quarter of the respondents, 26%, thought it would be a failing grade, 49% or less. The majority opinion, 57%, and the poll did close before results were announced, so everybody gets credit here. 57% had him between 50 and 59%. 12%, almost 13%, thought he'd be between 60 and 69, and a 4% contingent thought he'd score 70% or higher. So the majority got it right on the unofficial Twitter poll. Erica, how did it get to that point? I mean, based on your understanding of how the party works, based on your understanding of Mr. Kenny's leadership, how did he wind up at 51%? Well, I think as you, you've been watching, you could see that there was a, a strong contingent that wasn't happy with him. Uh, I don't think there was a single moment in time that was really the the TSN turning point. I'll make a sports reference this morning. Um, but that we, you know, I don't think the pandemic helped. Uh, it was where we saw this province significantly divided, where we saw the caucus significantly divided. But I think that there's always been a need, um, you know, to finesse that caucus relationship from day one. Uh, there wasn't a strong understanding of how to be a government caucus versus an opposition caucus. And we've seen that kind of be a little bit of a hiccup throughout this entire past three years. And ultimately, the pandemic, I think, escalated that and the divide. But ultimately, we're facing like the party is divided uh, based on that number. And so there's a lot of work to be done um, to, to unify the party going forward. 
Thomas, this was obviously, I mean, we saw a lot of memberships being sold here. People wanted to participate in this leadership race. And the speculation, especially with the public, some pundits as well, was that the Kenny team or supporters of Kenny were out there hustling and working hard. And I imagine they were trying to sell memberships to get those numbers. So how did it wind up at 51%? What's your analysis? I don't think it was a hiccup. Uh, Kenny's leadership from day one was fraught with with disasters, one after another. Another, and and what it really shows is that uh, Kenny was phenomenal as uh, Stephen Harper's number one lieutenant, the, the guy to go to, um, sort of a, a special game player. Since we're using uh, uh, sports analogies over here, uh, but he simply doesn't have the qualities that are required of a leader. And, and those are two different roles. To be prime minister's number one and to be the number one are, are two different roles. Uh, second of all, you know, Kenny, and I heard that term just mentioned a second ago, uh, Kenny in his mind thinks he's building a movement. They keep on using the word movement. Star- Harper started uh, that terminology, but they don't know how to run a political party. Uh, if you want to start a movement, join some society. Uh, uh, but political parties are rigid. Um, there has to be control. There has to be clear leadership and, and, and a goal in mind. Um, and, and you have to know how to govern. And, and, and Kenny was lacking in all of that. So he had a caucus um, uh, purposely that he handpicked. So he can't complain about the caucus. Those are those were his people uh, of populists. Um, uh, and, and he gathered them around different ideologies, such as you would if you were forming a movement. But then when he brought them together and, and he wanted to govern with them, um, they were uh, they were a rambunctious group, uh, and, and he couldn't hold them together, which is which is very unusual. My concern right now, uh, if I'm at all concerned about the UCP party, is the fact that he's going to bring them down with him right now, and that is the reason why he's staying on. Uh, he made the first move of resigning; that was the right thing to do for a leader of a political party. But sticking around uh, is going to make the leadership race a disaster. He will always be in the camera. He will be commenting on on what is happening in the leadership race and vice versa. Um, and it, he will make it impossible for this party uh, to go through a, a peaceful leadership race and a, and a change of power. So uh, it, it is his sort of underhanded way of saying, this is my party, I own this party, and I will leave whenever I want to. And Ryan, you were right, Ralph Klein did that. But Ralph Klein was extremely popular in Alberta. Albertans were actually uh, upset about the fact that he's resigning. It was the party and the operatives within the PC party that wanted Ralph to be gone. But Albertans wanted him to stay on. Um, Kenny doesn't have that mandate from from Albertans, as as we can see uh, from polling over and over again. So his staying on is his way of saying, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. Thomas, Brian, yeah, I think can ahead, I jump Erica. in there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think there's a there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but you know, the first thing is I said, like, we've got to stop comparing people to Ralph Klein. There's a lot of stuff Ralph Klein did um publicly that would not, you know, be be able to be um Erica, even received. Kenny, Kenny himself compares himself to Ralph Klein. He even dressed yeah, up. Yeah, and, as and Ralph I don't Klein. think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. I think that we need to look at what 2022 looks like. But Thomas, I mean, you know this. Um, one, I think it'd be fair if you disclose that you have, you know, a personal vendetta against Jason Kenny. You have not been a supportive of his for at least a decade. Um, and so I think that that's one thing that obviously comes across in your tone, but 
ultimately also have to look at, he didn't handpick those. I was the president of the party. He didn't handpick that caucus that was elected fairly. Yes, obviously a leader, um, you know, recruits members to represent their constituents. But I think, and I'll admit, I think that a big challenge was on day one, um, there wasn't a onboarding that was beneficial for all of that caucus. There was members that were members of the opposition um, and being an opposition MLA is very different than being government. And there was a whole whack of rookie MLAs that, you know, unlike Jason Kenney, haven't had their entire career in politics. And I think that that was something from day one that was challenging for this caucus to understand what it's like to be government and make tough decisions and have to live by that. And what stays in the caucus room, regardless of if you agree or not stays in the caucus room. So I think there's a lot of learning opportunities from both sides. I don't think Jason Kenney is the only one that um, had some missteps here on, on how a team works. But Erica, it is unusual that in Alberta, we had a government in power for 47 years. In all provinces, governments change every election. And we even saw Rachel Notley's government, you know, she had a 90 some percent of MLAs who have never been elected before and suddenly formed a government. And you have to admit that we haven't seen that magnitude of disasters from one to another uh, that Jason Kenney has had. It, it clearly shows that there was there is a lack of leadership. And, you know, am I a fan of Jason Kenney? Obviously not. But the, the fact is he he was not the right guy for the job. And and he was trying to run a very ideological caucus based on, on his beliefs. He recruited several members who are still loyalists of Kenny. Now we know who they are. And, and he couldn't hold this together. And, and, and Albertans, in many cases, just did not agree with his ideology. When he was making pragmatic decisions on economy and, and on other issues, I think he had full support among Albertans. But he just cannot help himself. He would always go into the bushes with, with ideological, crazy stuff, uh, populist stuff. And that's where he was losing support in caucus and in Alberta. And unfortunately, it is the, the, the Kenny feature that he just cannot help himself. You script him a speech and say, Premier, just read the darn speech, and he will take it sideways and go somewhere you know, into the weeds with it because he has these deeply entrenched beliefs, usually on social issues. And that's where he was losing everybody. I think this becomes an issue of like what got you here won't get you there. I think like I would I would object to Thomas's point that he wasn't the right person for the guy because I don't think that there's anybody else that could have taken the party to an election win like he did in 2019. Is there was there room for improvement with how the actually governing aspect of things went? Sure, but I don't I know of nobody else really that was present and active and putting their name forward within um, the context of the UCP family, if you will, that could have sort of taken that energy. And I think it, it, it raises another point of the leadership review was, do you approve of the current leader? And there's two aspects of the leader that you could look at. You could have looked at personality and his leadership style and who he was as a person, who he was at the legislature, how he acted, or you could have looked at principles as well. And I think that where a lot of people struggled um, in making that decision is that you you can't deny that um, that Jason Kenney, and you don't have to agree with everything that he did. I don't anticipate everybody will, nor do I think everybody should. But from a conservative principles perspective, Sean Spear had a really great article about this in the Hub this morning. He he was doing a lot of good principled conservative policy 
things. So it's it's fair that a lot of people might have been torn because they were happy with the policy direction that the government was going in, but maybe not as happy with the other side of governing, which Thomas did mention in terms of um, managing the caucus, managing the party, all of those other things. And so I think it's important that we recognize that there are sort of two things that people were probably looking at when they marked their ballots for the review. Yeah. And, and, and never confuse political parties with families. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than using that comparison. And if they are, they're the most dysfunctional families that you have ever seen. The, the problem Kenny also has, that was a fundamental problem from day one. And I think Erica would have some, some insight into that, is that merging parties never works for a long time. And oddly enough, Jason managed to lose that merge while being in government. Usually premiers and prime ministers manage to keep caucuses together and happy because they're in power. So they can appoint people to cabinet, to committees, and, and, and sort of stroke their egos. Kenny couldn't manage to do that. But, but this merger of PC party and Wild Rose was a non-starter to begin with. Those were diametrically different parties with different cultures, with different beliefs and views. There were some commonalities, but very, very few compared to the differences. And the only thing that held them together was being in power and winning the next election. Usually that is enough to keep a party together, but obviously not in Kenny's case. And we're seeing an analogy of that happening right now with federal conservative party where reform and PCs were merged together. No longer are they in power and that thing is falling apart. Because these are two groups that should never be never be sitting in the same room, with the exception of several issues and and keeping this together. So I foresee a, a split within the UCP party, just like we will see uh, within the federal C- CPC party, because half of the caucus doesn't belong with the other half of the caucus. There are very fundamental differences. Um, Kenny did a good job gluing them together, but obviously not well enough to keep it together. Now, I guess the question is, if Jason Kenny couldn't keep them together, is there somebody out there that could? This on the heels of Jason Kenny's shocking resignation as leader of the United Conservative Party last night in Calgary. The results of his leadership review, 51%. Erica, uh, we teed this up just before the break there. Where does the party go from here? Uh, a leadership race, obviously inevitable. That's what's next. Can the party survive it? Thomas isn't sure that the party can stay together. You think that the United Conservative Party can keep its you, so to speak? Well, I would definitely say uh, I don't always agree with Thomas, but I will on the, the unity from day one. It was something that I was a member of both legacy parties, and it, it needed to have constant attention that a big tent conservative party or a big tent party um, is always more difficult than when you have everyone in a close collective ideologically. So challenges from day one probably could have used a little bit more TLC um in throughout the whole process but forming government right off the hop like federal conservatives it took about a decade for them to get to a place where they really truly understood their values so you know they were kind of in warp speed from a party perspective it's still a young party but i do believe the party can survive this um you know big shoes in my opinion to fill because this is a man that you know unified brought the party together um and so for the next leader it they've got their job cut out for them it's not going to be easy um you know even today we'll hear a few that are putting their names forward and it'll be up to the membership to decide who is the best fit but you also have to remember that they're competing against a federal conservative uh race right now um we have you know a year to an election the party apparatus in order to get this all in place and and strike a committee to decide the rules um and and 
we'll we'll take at least six months. So it doesn't give a lot of runway for the party. It's going to be definitely an uphill uh, fight for the party and the leader. Um, You have Rachel Notley campaigning her heart out right now, as she should be, um, trying to gain back support from Albertans. Well, you also have nominations for the party seats. Like there's a lot happening and a lot more happening for the United Conservative Party from a party organizational standpoint. So who's ever stepping up to, to run for leader better realize that there's a lot of moving pieces, not just this is what kind of conservative uh, I'll be. And they'll have to focus on caucus relations throughout this entire process. Erica, what's the inside scoop? You say a few are going to throw their hat into the ring today. There's a couple obvious ones. I think Brian Jean and most people expect Danielle Smith will seek the leadership as well. Do you have the inside scoop on anybody else? Well, I did hear Todd Lowen might put his name forward, uh, which was kind of the, 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 you know, the one that I wasn't expecting. We'll see. I know Danielle Smith is doing an announcement today. And when you put it out after a leadership race um, and you've expressed your intentions, you can kind of figure out that it's going to be a, you know, not a surprise by anyone. I think we'll see some caucus members. And I think, um, I believe that at least they'll have the insight of how the caucus currently functions and some opportunities for them to come together as a team. Um, so they're a little bit at an advantage there. And obviously yeah, Brian Jean has basically applied for the job three months ago. Yeah. Um, so those won't be surprises, but I do think, we you know, we might see some private sector as we've seen in the past. Um, and you know, uh, there's probably a long list of people that are making some phone calls right now. Well, I've seen people tweeting. People want Ron Ambrose to come out of retirement. Uh, people want Michelle Rempel Garner to seek the job. Of course, the federal MP out of Calgary, Melissa, in the meantime, is, is this a lame duck party? I mean, is this a lame duck premier? What does this mean for the people of Alberta right now? I mean, he's essentially resigned from the job, but he's staying on until the replacements chosen. I mean, what are the implications? I don't think it's a lame duck situation. I think we have to, we need to know more after what happens in this caucus meeting and and what happens in terms of, is he staying on his interim? Um, Is there going to be a new leader? Obviously confusion is not great. um, And so close for an election, it makes it a little bit more difficult, but the party is also, or the government's also accomplished a lot in the last four years. So I don't know that um, that slowing things down as we enter into the summer on the legislative and policy front would really have changed the speed that government was going to move at anyway. Um, They're scheduled to, to rise in the beginning of June, and then they typically don't go back to the end of October. So I think a lot of the sort of behind the scenes stuff will be happening then. Um, I think that People are the biggest struggle, I think, for the UCP is is actually the way that the NDP has positioned themselves and the NDP, to their credit, have been um, really strong in terms of how um, they've positioned themselves and positioned their members over the last um, last couple of couple of years and, and couple of months for sure. They really are not as far left as a lot of other NDP um, parties within the country, and they've really tried to strike that pragmatic tone. I think they saw some of what was happening in the Conservative Party and tried to sort of position themselves. So it's all that to say, it's going to be difficult in terms of. Um, where the UCP takes its tone um, in the interim and with the new leader, because it's hard to um, it's hard to differentiate yourself when you don't have like more space between uh, between that that side and and the other side. Not to say that we want polarization, but I think that the leader is going to make a big difference because it's going to be more of a personality thing, especially since the the economy is doing so well and things are generally generally speaking, going well for Albertans. And Albertans are generally going to vote for the way the economy is going. So I think that whoever comes into that role is going to have an easier time um, 
keeping the party in power. But again, there's all these other aspects involved in the role in terms of keeping the caucus together and not eating our own. Thomas, you were well, I like that. I like that optimism. I like that optimism. But unfortunately, I don't see it translating. I'm here all reality. week with the optimism. This is like <laughs> yeah. I, love, I, I wish I wish you brought some my way, but I, I don't see it that way. Number one, if Albert, you know, Albertans used to vote on economy. But if that was the case, Kenny would have about 70, 80 percent support right now because economy is actually starting to do really well. Obviously, it didn't translate even into his loyal members support, party members support. Never mind General Alberta. But just imagine, how do you run your legislative and policy agenda right now? How do you even rise as a house when you have a premier who can't even whip a voting caucus anymore because you have 60 some cats in your caucus that will be voting any way they want because there is no clear leader. Who cares what Kenny wants, what Kenny's agenda and his whip's agenda and his minister's agenda is? Then you have five to seven leadership candidates, each one of trying to differentiate themselves somehow to win this leadership. So they will be commenting on this legislative agenda and saying how they would or would not support it or how they have better ideas. Uh, This government right now is nullified until a new leader is found because there's just no way to run a legislative agenda through. And and that is why, you know, uh, say what you want about Alison Redford, but she did the right thing. You step down and you allow caucus to, to appoint a new premier and there's no interim premier, it becomes a real premier. Dave Hancock became that. You run sort of this agenda light government for six months or however long you have to, and then you pick a new premier. But with Kenny pretending that he's still a premier and trying to run through legislation in the House, it, it is going to be actually, I'm, I'm buying popcorn today because I want to watch this happen as a leadership race takes place at the same time in the background. It, it'll be interesting. But Unfortunately, Thomas, where- horrible for Alberta. Where are you getting that information from? Like he he never said he wasn't running. There's a caucus meeting to determine an interim leader. So that's up to caucus, not him. Um, they, you know, these people were elected on 375 commitments. You've got your playbook to to have that. You're also entering Erica, an election, Thomas. He hasn't Thomas. stepped down. He hasn't stepped down. But from caucus his role, Allison did it right away. Allison didn't right away. She stayed on for six months. Well, um, after she did from that, his spe- from his speech, I gather that he's staying on until a new leader is selected, unless he reverses on it. And 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 I think he should. Step Sorry, down for clarification, right do you mean for, as MLA for Lockheed or as the interim leader? As as no, Kenny did not step down as a party leader and a premier. He's still the leader of the party and the premier. I think there was a lot happening last night that it could, you know, like, yes, I agree in the speech. It wasn't definitive that he wasn't doing that from from what I've heard. I mean, it's going to caucus to have that exact conversation today. Um, I think it would be totally fair if he didn't want to stay in this job uh, or if he did. Right. Like there's an agenda. He was just in Washington actually making we should be proud as Albertans the job he was doing there. Unfortunately, that didn't play into uh, the outcome. Ballots had already been casted, but he did show the type of leadership he can have on the international stage. And regardless, I mean, this is up to caucus and you were a caucus member in these rooms during this decision. You know that they they will decide what is in the best interest for the government as well as for Sorry, my AirPod fell. Um, as well as for um, the the party, right? So you should have faith in this, like in a caucus, being able to put the party first. And I think Premier Kenny did put the party before himself by deciding to step down 
um, as premier last night and leader. Okay, Erica, also, well, yeah, Erica get the, get the so, earpiece back in so your, your audio will improve when the, airp- when the uh, AirPod goes back in. So get that back in. Mel- too small for these. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, go ahead. Just from like a practical perspective, though, like I do want to say it's not like we still have to introduce the budget. It's not like the majority of the legislative agenda hasn't already been introduced. Again, like I I can't remember if it's on the second or the ninth that the ledge was scheduled to rise already. So that's two more weeks. They were on a break week this week. So realistically speaking, it's it's more so just pushing through legislation has that has already been introduced. And they they are not scheduled to go back until the end of October. So to to say that there is going to be months of a legislative um, sitting without proper leadership is, I just think, a bit of a stretch. Yes, there's still stuff that happens in government. There's still a cabinet to run. There's still announcements to run. But we are largely, from a political timeline perspective, entering into what we call in politics like the barbecue circuit of like going back into the community and talking to people. So, like, I take Thomas's point, and it's not like there's nothing to govern at this point, but to over sort of overplay how much is happening in the legislative sphere, I think is just a bit of a stretch. Well, and maybe, and maybe that's the problem. Uh, if, you, if you think that legislature is a place through which you push legislation, maybe that's Kenny's problem, number one. Legislature is a place where you debate legislat- legislation. And the fact is that he will have a caucus who now will be liberated and will be saying things as they actually started very recently uh, that are not in line with, with, with the party and with the premier, putting him in a, in a odd position. But to Erica's point, you know, Erica, I, I don't know, and you may have additional information, but based on yesterday's speech, uh, it is my understanding that Kenny stays on as leader of the UCP party and he stays as a premier until the party chooses a new leader. In this case, caucus cannot do anything. They, they cannot remove him as a premier or as a leader of the party. Only the party has the chance to do it, and, and they didn't um, yesterday. So, so Kenny, as far as I know, is staying on uh, until the new leader is chosen. What Redford did is, uh, is she stepped down almost immediately and said, you caucus, find yourself a new leader for, for the time being until the party uh, elects a new leader. I, I don't see that happening here unless Kenny does another announcement uh, today or tomorrow and says, I'm also stepping down as leader and the premier immediately. Uh, Thomas, your timelines don't add up. Alison Redford's uh, leadership review is in November and she didn't step down until uh, almost six months later and then stayed on as an MLA for another six months. Um, so well, that's it wasn't right. immediate. But she passed her leadership review with flying colors. Like she Based on the score that she got, she didn't have to resign, but then she had a number of embarrassments and disasters. And when she decided to step down, she stepped down from everything other than MLA because she didn't want to create a by-election in that particular seat. Kenny is, is, is creating a situation that Ralph Klein created, where he's getting barely over 50%, but he chooses to stay on until the party chooses a new leader. Now, the, the, the big difference, as, as uh, Ryan mentioned, between Kenny and Ralph is that the whole province almost was behind Ralph. Kenny doesn't have that. So um, again, we don't know. What's happening we don't now. know this. Yeah, it's it's a we caucus decision, and sure. they can. We don't know. Yeah, and, and caucus can decide to remove them. <laughs> I I can't I can't imagine just as a civilian. Uh, the pre- I can't imagine Jason Kenny staying on for for six more months after receiving fifty one percent and saying he's leaving. Uh, I, I can imagine staying on through a time of transition, maybe a couple of weeks type thing. Uh, l- let me credit uh, just 
for interest sake and Thomas I'd love to, to ask you I mean what what were the discussions like in caucus what were the discussions like in cabinet here's a timeline courtesy of CTV news they did the reporting on this uh, in cooperation with the Canadian press this is back from 2014 this is the timeline that led to Premier Allison Redford's resignation but in December 10th of 2013 you'll remember then Premier Redford uh, attended the memorial for Nelson Mandela in Johannesburg uh, that was what put airplane travel on everybody's radar and maybe that was ultimately her undoing was airplane travel uh in february finger pointing over that mandela trip uh started to become more prominent Uh, by february 19th of 2014 government records showed that redford's ea was billing taxpayers uh more than 200 dollars a night to stay at a hotel in edmonton right that pissed a lot of people off by the end of february the 28th extravagant travel again Uh, When the premier returned from Palm Springs to attend former premier Ralph Klein's funeral. Then on March 4th, Redford, then still premier, revealed that she had been flying her daughter and her friends on government aircraft. On the 5th of March, she acknowledged of 2014, she knew she broke the rules. On the 7th, the office said that uh, the premier needed to respond better to the high volume of correspondence from Albertans. So they brought on another staffer. That said something. By the 12th of March, she agreed to pay back $45,000, the cost of that flight to South Africa. Len Weber, a backbench MLA, resigned on the 13th of March. And then on the 15th of March, Redford met with the PC party executive behind closed doors, was taken to task there. She then had Associate Minister Donna Kennedy Glanz, who's been on this show before, obviously resigned on March 17th. Her house leader on the 18th said that MLAs who openly challenged the premier would be left alone for now. And on the 19th of March, she resigned. Four days later, Dave Hancock was sworn in on the 23rd of March of 2014. So it it happened either quickly or at a slow pace, depending on your perspective. But but that's how it all went down. So, Thomas, what's the conversation? What was the conversation like? Let's not spend too much time on the Redford legacy. But what was that conversation like? What are the priorities of caucus and cabinet going to be? Uh, caucus most especially and w- what do you think the conversation looks like today well caucus is really left at the mercy of the premier caucus cannot force a sitting leader of a political party and a sitting premier to resign they can implore they can beg uh, but they cannot make him there, there is no mechanism for that you hope that the premier does the right thing for his own party and for his own caucus and, and steps down um, we had a caucus meeting and uh, and a large number of us uh, said to Redford, the Premier, you have to resign. And she did within two days of that caucus meeting and, and then immediately allowed for caucus to choose a new Premier. And that's what caucus gets to do. Has she not done it? She could have stayed uh, actually as a, as a Premier um, and leader of the party until, um, frankly, until the next election, because uh, her leadership review, uh, the party quite supported her still. Uh, during the leadership review. So this will be an interesting dynamic. I think during the next UCP caucus, uh, brave UCP members will be imploring upon Kenny to step down immediately. And and if Kenny cares about the party, then he will do that. Melissa, can can you see Jason Kenny seeking the leadership again? Is that is that on your radar at all? A lot of people are talking about it. Yeah, I mean, anything is possible. I think, again, I know it's like fun to speculate, but it's just super hard to know what's going to happen before this caucus meeting. And I, I don't I don't want to try and think of what's in his mind. But yeah, it's possible. Um, he can't be 
um, interim leader if he wants to do that. Um, that's per the, 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 the documents for the party. So anybody who wants to be interim leader can't run for permanent leader. So I think if he's not interim leader um, after today, then maybe we can speculate more on that. But um, yeah, I mean, he, as I said before, he's a really hard working politician and very motivated and he really excels in that campaign sphere of of politics and he's he really that is really where he shines so i can see him being you know interested in at least considering that um i don't know that that would necessarily be the best choice um and i think that generally speaking within the party we have to think about um, what's good for the party and thinking about the election in a year. And so I think that there would have to be some like noodling of how that's all going to work um, or how that's going to make anything sort of different um, because then you'd probably definitely have a split <laughs> that would happen. Um, but yeah, anything is possible at this point. And I think that anybody that says that they know exactly what's going to happen is lying to you because there are so many people <laughs> that are like, playing out different scenarios and testing different ideas. It's, it's, we won't have more clarity until next week. It is my perspective. Erica, you know what I'm, I'm trying to speculate about, and this is all, it is what it is. It, it, it's just an exercise, right? We're not proclaiming anything to be true or fact. Um, but I take a look at, you know, this, this, uh, this potential for a split and the one faction is obvious Right. If, if Todd Lowen's seeking the leadership or if Daniel Smith or Brian Jean even are seeking the leadership, although Brian's maybe an interesting one, because I know he was flirting with the idea of seeking leadership at the Alberta party. And I know that there was kind of that idea that maybe he could be rebranded as sort of a, a, a progressive conservative option or a centrist type option, a, a moderate conservative option. And whether or not that's the case, I don't know. Uh, but it's obvious that you'll have the sort of wild rose redux, right? The wild rose 2.0, the sort of social conservative, um, you know, strong in rural areas, probably strong in South Calgary, strong in northern Alberta, that party. We'll call it for now Wild Rose 2.0, whatever name it might have. The question I have is what happens with the other small C conservatives? What happens with the so-called moderates, the so-called progressive conservatives? Where do they go? Uh, the people that within the conservative party, the United Party, didn't believe the premier did enough on COVID. The, the people that want to see robust social programs, they're not thrilled with the way that the curriculum redo has been managed. Where do those people go if the party does split? I don't think it. we quite simply just draw a line and say, well, they go to the NDP. I know Barry Morishita's working hard to get him over to the Alberta party, but what do you think? Well, I mean, as we said, speculation, if we're going off my record in the last 24 hours, I'm 0-2, as I said, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, but, you know, I actually think, um, you know, you're right. There, There is some members of the party in a big tent car party you're going to have some more left more right um and that's going to be a big thing that the the people running for the leadership are going to have to talk about and say that you know we've got to make decisions on certain things for the people uh, let's talk about kind of more progressive conservatives where do they go um i mean unfortunately and i'll say this because i think it does take some ndp you know swing votes to the ndp um is we don't have a centrist party and i actually think that that's um you know or one that's operating at the same level of the other two parties and so i think there's a lot of people in alberta that don't feel they have a home i do um but there's some you know i think that are more on the progressive side that 
don't really feel like they can, you know, they don't want to quote unquote potentially throw away their vote. Um, I don't believe Brian Jean is that person. I don't think his brand can can do that big of a swing. Um, but I do believe that you're going to see some of either the caucus or members from the progressive conservatives coming to uh, bring that contribution to the leadership and show that spectrum within the race on its own. But for voters, I think it's going to have to be, you know, then who becomes the leader? Can you vote for the United Conservative Party under that new leader? And ultimately, people, you know, might just vote NDP uh, if they're more centrist. Or, you know, let's hope the Alberta Party gives maybe some options. I always like a vote split on the left. It usually helps my team. But do you do you really think do you put the Alberta Party on the left? Uh, I would say on a lot of uh, fiscal accountability, they're more left, um, you know, on on debt and things like that. So I would say, yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're very, in theory, centrist, but with a little bit more, um, or at least from what I've seen. Now, again, it depends on your leader and it depends on the policies you bring forward. And they're pretty quiet right now. So based on just going off of historical um, conversations with people that have been in, in leadership roles in that party. Mm. Thomas, where do you think this goes with with regards to that so-called centrist element, that faction? I think NDP stands to gain over here if uh, if Rachel Notley plays her cards well. Um, she her left she doesn't have to worry about the left flank of the NDP party because they have nowhere else to go and and they may get upset with her if she turns too far to the right, but they will vote for her anyhow because there's nowhere else to go. Uh, but she can definitely pick up uh, a lot of progressive conservatives, uh, people who are progressive on the social agenda in particular within the UCP party. Uh, because they will have nowhere to go. Um, I don't think Alberta Party is going to play into it in a big way. They may see a little bit of a bump. Uh, frankly, Erica quite eloquently you know, showed it. People don't know where the Alberta Party is. Is it right of center or left of center? So they may pick up actually from both ends a little bit. But I think the, the only person that can gain a lot from this mess is, is Rachel Notley if she plays her cards right. What does that look like, Melissa? I think Rachel Notley probably doesn't have to do a lot different than what she's doing right now. I think like the the sort of leadership play for somebody like Rachel Notley in the position that she's in is to keep a steady hand, keep doing what they're doing. Don't buy into the like Twitter arguments. Don't feed into the social media frenzy. Um, I think you position yourself as a stable alternative. And it, I, it doesn't look like they're going to be having a leadership brace or anything like that. And I think that you, you position it that way. And, and depending on what happens within the UCP, there, there might be a leader who's never governed before or a leader who's never had those roles before. And so somebody like um, Rachel Notley just has to, you know, it, who, who would have thought in Alberta um, in 2022, the NDP would be the ones to say, look at our record and look at what we've done. Um, it's just like stranger things of, no, yeah. Alberta politics always keeps it interesting. But I, uh, I pulled keep the, it oh, sorry, Melissa, go ahead. No, that's it. I was done. Okay. I, I pulled some, t- <laughs> these are just pulled at random. These are some of the tweets that were on my timeline over the last 12 hours or so. Uh, I want to rip through a whole bunch and, and, and comment as you see fit. Jump in if you want. Uh, um, this Jason Markusoff, of course, has covered Canadian politics for a long time. Uh, says since the 2004 election, there have been seven premiers of Alberta. Only Rachel Notley served an entire elected term. How's that for a statistic? Uh, Councillor Aaron Stevenson, just west of Edmonton, wonders, did Kenny really receive 51? 1.4% approval, or did they give him a saving face number with the agreement he stepped down and not drop the writ? 
What's the real that number? That one I, I'm going to jump in on. <laughs> I was going to say, because that one, man, you could go on the UCP live feed and watch this. I mean, I don't know who actually did because I popped in a few times, but like you could actually, it was transparent at very best. So all the critics that said that this was going to be, you know, a corrupt process, I can tell you like, and the party put a lot of work into having this as transparent as possible. Is it fair to suggest, Erica, that some people had very good reason to question the validity of this process based on questions that stem back to 2017 and an ongoing RCMP investigation? Is it fair to suggest some people would have their doubts? No. Come on. What do you mean? Well, no? Erica. I think it's, it's, it has a, Let's just look at this. Has the RCMP done anything? Like they've had three years. So I would say, you know, you're innocent. Erica, come on. You You sound like my former boss now, Thomas. (laughs) Thomas was my boss. Thomas was Erica's boss 10 years ago. Yeah. I should have said that in the intro. (laughs) In in real life, she actually was the boss. I I just had the title. Uh, (laughs) Truth of the matter, Erica, the scary part is, that we are at a point in the history of our province where Albertans are openly believing that the system is rigged and and are accepting it, saying, oh, it's rigged anyhow. You know, that scares me because that shows erosion of, of our faith in the democratic process. And that's where UCP got us to. And you say, what did RCMP do? You have over 300,000 worth of fines from Elections Alberta for shenanigans in your leadership race from, you know, the the spectrum of cheating was very well covered by UCP from the financial end all the way to the ballots. And now we have a, for a first time, I think in the history of our province, we have a criminal investigation that is taking over two years with more than 12 constables working on it, where cabinet ministers and including the premier are being under consideration. So I'm not surprised. I'll say, do, do you feel after and if they did, do you think that they can say that about this election, though? It was live streamed, sent to auditors like regardless. I, I do fit fair on the perception versus the reality. Um, but I, I think the party did a good job in addressing that and, and getting in front of potential perception. Yeah, yeah. So would you say that this was a transparent leadership race? I would perhaps. But it's scary. When a review, it's- sorry perhaps I have no evidence to show otherwise, but it is from my perspective, pretty scary where a political party governing party in a province in Canada has to say, trust us this time. We're not cheating. Hmm. I will say this, and and I'm not saying that there was cheating and I'm not saying that there wasn't, uh, there was the live stream and I did drop in on it from time to time. Eric, it was interesting to see someone made a good point to me though, that you could watch the ballots being counted, but there was no live stream of who was selling the ballots, who was filling the ballots out and who was mailing the ballots in. So you could watch the ballots in the room being counted, but nobody knew how the ballots got there. I'm not trying to come across like tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying, I think it's reasonable that some people would have questions about the validity of the race. All in, though, it doesn't matter. It's done. It's 51% and he's resigning. I mean, that's the story. Here's some more tweets that I saw. This is what other people were saying on my timeline. Uh, Bridget Sterling says an unpopular opinion. She's a former Edmonton school board trustee. Uh, Kenny stepping down is bad, actually. She says it allows someone who wasn't in the legislature during the worst of this government to swoop in and pretend to be the savior of Alberta. An interesting one. Now, this one from Sammy Hoots pointing out says through his time as premier, uh, Jason Kenney often chided NDP leader Rachel Notley for leading the only one term government in Alberta's history. Now he won't be finishing his own first term. 
interesting take. Bruce Anderson, uh, national political commentator, oftentimes you see him with Peter Mansbridge, says Kenny's is a self-destruction story. A reminder for politicians who decide to win by ginning up anger and promoting mindless populist rhetoric. What goes around sometimes comes around. Too much focus on scoring points creates an insatiable demand for more of that all the time. That from Bruce Anderson and Tim Karengesser says, Alberta, exhausting today, yes, but just wait for the next few months. That's some of the tweets that jumped out at me. Any observations from the three of you on those before I thank you for your time? I would just say, and this is very quintessential me to say, but I think that all of this points to the fact that democracy takes work. We are not immune to some of the things that are happening around the world that make people question institutions, make people question processes. And the people who have sort of political interest in putting those questions to the public. The reality of the situation is that we need to improve um, engagement in the public policy and political process, whether that's being part of a political party or just being an active participant in what's happening. We need to be more transparent in terms of how things work so that people actually understand the nuts and bolts of what happens in government and political parties. And we need to just create more of an open discussion that's not taking cheap points at people on social media because it gets us into the news cycle for a day. I, I realize that's not like the sexy option, but we're not in a great place right now with a lot of that. And so I think that we need to try to elevate the discussion a bit more. And I think that the public will appreciate that um, and will be more engaged as a result. And the quality of our democracy will be better as a result. And I think that's a win for everybody. Closing thought, Eric. This is a, so, oh, go ahead, Thomas. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Thomas. Thank you. I'm just shocked that this is a revelation uh, for the UCP party. You know, you, you reap what you sow. You form a government uh, on on fringe ideologies. You try to form a populist government. You gaslight daily. You have your staffers on in social media insult and argue with Albertans daily. You do gimmicks and fuel up your, your truck and stuff at a gas station almost every second day to create a media opportunity. And and then you 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 have criminal investigations and and elections have been investigations, and then you're shocked that Albertans don't have confidence in, in our establishment in, in our institutions. Thomas, um, I don't okay. speak on behalf of the UCP. I'm speaking as myself. Point well taken. Thank you. I, I'm sorry, I had it <laughs> confused for I had it confused for a second. But uh, but uh, how can anybody in this UCP party be surprised that this is the outcome? And, and how can anybody be surprised that Albertans uh, undermine and and and, um, and and don't trust their institutions when 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 this is the the, the type of government that was presented to them? So you know it, it's unfortunate. But Thomas, it's a horrible thing the PCs, but Kenny's getting exactly what he put into place. But when you were there, Thomas, PCs pulled stunts like this, gimmicks like this. The NDP did both in opposition, and then when they were government, like. I get it. I, I I take both of your points that, you know, we as individuals that, you know, are very engaged in politics. There's lots of people in our democracy that aren't um, as maybe engaged uh, or watching this as, as but their vote just matters just as much as ours. So what I would say to the UCP members is watch closely. Um, this will de define our party. Pick someone that you think, you know, not only aligns with your values, but we do have a strong contender uh, in Premier, or like in Rachel Notley running for Premier again. Um, she's held a job, so she does have a track record of what she can bring as a leader. So you also have to match up against your opponent. So please, you know, to the UCP members, focus on that when you're selecting your leader. And then to Albertans, 
engage in this process. Like everyone's vote matters. We should have higher voter turnout than we currently have. This election is going to be very, very important for our province um, going forward. So, you know, I might not agree with how you vote or what team you like, but you, everyone's everyone's vote matters and everyone should have a say. That's I agree. Erica Brudis, Thomas Lukasik, Melissa Cowett, a pure fire real talk roundtable. And hey, to the three of you, I want to say thanks. We asked you to stick around for 20 minutes and you did the full hour with us, which is really, <laughs> really appreciated. It's all people are going to be talking about today. Well, that in the hockey game last night. But my thanks to all three of you. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, you. Erica Brudis, of course, with uh, Enterprise Canada. Uh, Melissa with MC Consulting. And uh, Thomas is doing a whole bunch of stuff right now, an entrepreneur, um, including a new uh, Halal Mortgage Initiative. Fascinating stuff. And you can find all three of them, of course, on Twitter and learn more about their perspectives through that. We love these Real Talk roundtables. And based on the feedback we get from you, we appreciate you feeling the same way. There's something about hashing out an issue, especially when it comes to politics, that just feels kind of therapeutic in a way, doesn't it? I don't know if it's making anybody feel any better about the state of politics in our home province of Alberta right now, but I digress. Listen, we continued the conversation the next day, back on May 20th, when Jason Kenney's former senior staffer, Blaze Bomer, and the leader of the Alberta Party, Barry Morishita, and political commentator and podcaster Kathleen Kiki Smith joined us for what was, quite frankly, a surprising conversation. I don't mean to sound disappointed, but... Blaze and Kathleen got along way better than we expected, which I think just proves that shows like Real Talk can provide a forum for people that might actually get along in real life to find some common ground. I won't say that we're restoring everybody's faith in humanity, but we did sense a positive trend. And the feedback from that roundtable coming up here in just a second was really encouraging to us. We'll take you there in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. The Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to remind you they have a brand new signature stack burger collection ready for you to check out. Of course, all the classic favorites like that Dairy Queen double cheeseburger and some of the new ones like the signature steakhouse stacker with that onion ring on top. Of course, the big lineup of Blizzard speaks for itself. And don't forget to grab a box of Buster Bars the next time you're at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, New Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. For more than 65 years, Friesen Brothers has been putting really great food on family tables across the province of Alberta. Still family-owned, Friesen Brothers is a proud member of 16 different communities, where on the first of the month, you can take 15% off every grocery order of more than $75. Friesen Brothers, Alberta grown, Alberta owned. Park Power is your friendly local utilities provider. Whether you're looking for electricity, natural gas, or internet, or maybe all three, you owe it to yourself to compare rates today on their website, parkpower.ca. Along with it comes a charitable contribution. What other utilities provider does that? Don't forget when you sign up, the promo code 2022-REALTALK gets you $70 off your first bill from Park Power. 
We've put together a roundtable of folks I'm sure that will have a lot to say about this, and I'm excited to welcome all three of them back to the show. Kathleen Smith is an online political commentator who tweets as Kiki Planet and co-hosts the Women of Alberta Politics podcast. Uh, Blaze Balmer has been on the show before, former director of uh, communications for Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. He's the director of corporate comms and public affairs for national public relations. He's also done a lot of work four years with the Saskatchewan party government. And Barry Morishita is the leader of the Alberta party. He's the former mayor of uh, beautiful Brooks, Alberta, and the former president of uh, formerly AUMA, now known as Alberta Municipalities. It's great to have the three of you joining us. Uh, Just in case it's not fresh of mind, top of mind, I want to remind you that uh, I know there's going to be decorum here. I don't have to say that, but you don't have to wait to be tapped on the shoulder. If you want, let's treat this like we're out for beers or coffee or whatever. You want to jump in, jump in. You want to challenge somebody, challenge somebody. Let's have some fun. I want to jump in right away. Okay, Blaze, go ahead. What's up? I think your segue was great. You were talking about future opportunities, door-to-door uh, solar panel sales. I mean, the Premier has like his future wide open right now, so you should definitely tune in and consider those opportunities. Yeah. Well, what do you make? Were you were you uh, were you shocked by the announcement? Uh, you could hear the the air almost suck out of that room at Spruce Meadows when he said he was leaving. I don't think that the faithful expected him to leave. What did you think? I think they were shocked. I think I think his his speech was written at the last minute. Um, they probably didn't have a concession speech prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that room was like legitimately shocked. And I think it's, uh, it's, it, it's going to be a part of Alberta history. What, what happened that night. <clears throat> and then we saw kind of the mulligan on the, the resignation or, you know, just kind of like smoothing out his exit. Um, smoothing out. That's a way to put it, Blaze. <laughs> smoothing out the edges yeah uh but you know here we are um it looks like uh the time of of jason kenny as premier of alberta is is over kathleen were you surprised i i I didn't we we had our uh our sort of unofficial unscientific poll on where people thought the numbers were going to land a lot of people thought it would be between 50 and 60 percent a lot of people thought between 60 and 70 where were you at I was between 50 and 60. Um, I, I actually wasn't that surprised that he announced he's leaving. I was more surprised when he was willing to stand in front of this province and say that 50 plus one was an acceptable enough bar for him to meet. Um, this is Jason Kenney. This, this is a man who, uh, his, his mythology in Canadian politics is legendary. And for me, that was his moment of humiliation when he stood in front of Alberta and said, well, the Constitution says I only need 50 plus one. That stunned me. And nothing since then has really shocked me because when 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 Premier Kenny was willing to humiliate himself at that point, uh, no holds barred. At that point, the, the, the train is off the tracks and it's going to get super messy. So I was actually far more shocked by that than by the outcome. To state the obvious, uh, Barry, this is an opportunity for you and your party right now. People are trying to figure out what happens to the United Conservatives. Can they stay united? If they don't stay united, what happens to the moderate or the centrist flank? Some people are wondering if this could mean big bump in membership for the Alberta party. How are you processing the news? Uh, You're invested in this. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. And and I was surprised uh, that he quit. I mean, he just, uh, I really was. I, I didn't think, I think he believes in himself so much that I just thought he'd keep going regardless of what people were saying. That's been his kind of operational uh, mentality as premier in every single issue. He, he doesn't really listen to anybody. But then I don't think the UCP were really listening to anybody either. Their entire caucus has been kind of holding this up. And the latest little iteration where they're going to have them stay on and linger in the hallways. Uh, certainly, I don't think it's going to speak well for themselves. But uh, but for us, it certainly does. But but you know, we're not, we don't come at it from that perspective. We're we're listening. We're we're paying attention, and and it, it's a different approach. So uh, I think it's going to be just as dramatic as if he stayed. I I, I think for the Alberta Party and and for anybody else in Alberta politics, to be quite honest, I think. Uh, we're going to watch a, a bit of a circus going for the next six months. I think they're going to tear each other apart uh, because those factions can't come together. And you know they were built to they were built to win an election, but they weren't built to govern the province of Alberta. And uh, that's the, we're taking the opposite tack. We're trying to build a team that'll that'll govern the province versus uh, you know we hope hope sensibility will help us win, but but we have to come at it from a right place. I'm, yeah, I'm, I think go ahead, Barry Kathy. said Barry said something there that I, I think really needs to be discussed more, and that's that uh, this, this marriage of the far-right conservatives and the libertarian faction and the <clears throat> more centrist progressive conservatives, this is, this is a dysfunctional relationship. And it may have worked under Stephen Harper when the federal parties merged, but not only was Stephen Harper a different, a different style of leader, that was a different time when we weren't being bombarded and exposed to our politicians every day via social media. Stephen Harper really didn't have to deal with some of the more wacky parts of his party going online and saying really stupid shit and making the party look the fool. And uh, Kenny, well, Kenny's done it himself a little, but he's also had to deal with that. I, I, I can't understand this insistence on the part of conservatives that they have to marry all these conservative parties that have nothing in common beyond conservative in their name. It's just not going to work because you, you can win with that formula, you can't govern with that formula because everyone wants to govern in a different way. So until conservatives in this province figure out that the far right and the right are two entirely different factions with two entirely different approaches, we're going to have this problem. You can win with the formula, you can't govern with it. Well, and I think the other, the other problem we have is we, 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 we tend to want to label everybody with something like, you know, and it's come to the point where you're a conservative and yes, you know what, I'm a fiscal conservative. I think you pay for what you get. You, you determine a list of services and then you go to the people that you're representing and say, look, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. You're going to support that or you're not. Um, but I, but I'm also uh, very progressive on, on issues of uh, discrimination, racism. I, I, I've lived it as mayor here in, in the city of Brooks. And, you know, those things, they, 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 they're part of a community. But we tend to, pundits do it, journalists do it, and certainly people do it. They want to label you something. I remember when I first became leader, somebody said, well, what are you? I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, what are, are you a conservative? Are you a liberal? Are you a, 
are you a socialist? Are you a, what are you? And I said, well, you know what? Actually, I'm a problem solver. Uh, I, 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 my, 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 my kind of, uh, my thing is bringing people together and, and putting solutions on a table and trying to move them forward. I don't know what that makes me. And I actually went into Wikipedia to see if I could find a label for myself. And guess what? It didn't exist. But, but I think that's one of the problems as well. We tend to want to pigeonhole people in a, in a place with a name and then say, well, you can't move outside of that. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That constrains all of us. Hang on a second. What, did I think- you, what, hang on, please. Oh, we'll come right back to you. Barry, what in the hell did you Google to try to find a label? What, where did you go in Wikipedia? You can to actually find go the, in did- yeah, you can go to Wikipedia and go, uh, what are the political uh, ideologies? And there's like 80 or So is it like a, them. it's like a word cloud where you just yeah, type in just, your priorities yeah. and then it sort of, it shoves you, it shoehorns you into a certain camp and you go, oh, that I'm a libertarian. Okay. That might've been helpful. Yeah, but, that's, uh, no, there was a long list of ideologies. You know what though, Barry, people, it, 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 you came, not so much you, but your party, the Alberta party came up in conversation on our round table yesterday. And I wish I could credit the real talker. Uh, there's a lot happening on the live chat, so I missed it. But, but someone wants me to ask you uh, why doesn't the alberta party brand itself and market itself as a small c conservative party it's, it's it seems like a no-brainer considering where you are uh some people do see i mean to to point it out maybe state the obvious a lot of people have a hard time figuring out what the alberta party is all about and that's got to be standing in the way of a of a membership boon right yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I mean, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm a fiscal conservative. That makes me a small C conservative. I guess that's what, what it is. I, I, I just, again, I, I really have trouble marketing myself or the party as a thing when, you know what, there's so many unique communities and unique situations across this province that you can't take the same uh, shoe, you know, you can't shoehorn everybody in that same spot. But, but I mean, clearly on those issues when it comes to uh, what Albertans are looking for. I think we, we represent them. We sit in that middle and uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's hard to define, but the, it's practical. And uh, it, 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 labels make it hard. I think um, practical... Practical is a really important word. Blaze, at the same time, I mean, your work in politics has has been to 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 target a demographic or or to capitalize on to to finely tune and focus messaging to reach a certain group, right? I mean, what's your assessment with regards to what Barry's saying, and then the bigger picture too of the United Conservative Party as well? Well, I think we're we're uh, in burdened by by these outdated labels of uh, what it means to be a conservative, what it means to be a liberal, uh, a social democrat. I think there's a, a realignment underway and no leader has taken the uh, the leap of faith to try and harness those uh, where people are at and and bring them together on matters where where there is agreement. I think, uh everyone likes to call themselves a fiscal uh conservative and socially liberal and really what does that even mean anymore um but i i I think i think the realignment right now and i think the most uh voter rich realignment is to focus on working class issues like i really don't know what middle class means i know what working class means uh and a lot of people out there are struggling, living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, they're paying more for everything. And there are no one's coming forward with tangible ideas uh, to help those people. Uh, we're seeing Pierre Polyev attempt to do that. But the fact is, like, the solution 
to his problem is for housing prices to fall. And that doesn't benefit a lot of people either. So who who's going to come forward with, with the ideas uh, to protect working class people who are living paycheck to paycheck, who are struggling under a mountain of debt, uh, who are paying more for everything. Uh, I may perhaps Barry can harness that. I, I, I wish him the best of luck in that. I, I'm worried that conservatives aren't doing that, uh, that they continue to go back to like, you know, the, the, the well of, uh, balanced budgets uh, and, 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 and conscience rights and, and these things that are really divisive uh, and, and they're not articulated in a thoughtful uh, manner that in, encourages debate. And I, this is all very kind of uh, optimistic, 30,000-foot uh, 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 um, pie-in-the-sky thinking, but we, someone's got to come forward. Like we're 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 in this perpetual cycle of 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 strife and chaos here in Alberta. Uh, everyone's exhausted by politics. The last year has just been absolutely exhausting. Uh, the premier's been overexposed. Uh, you know, he's 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 always doing these Facebook lives, these news conferences, and and. The, the party's numbers are getting worse. And then after yesterday, I think, I think voters are really going to look at the UCP and, and wonder if, if, if it's a serious alternative in the upcoming election. Uh, and, and that's going to be a serious problem for uh, the, the incoming leader. And then we're going to have a leadership race, a leadership race in which, you know, current cabinet ministers are going to be vying for the, the new leader and, it, it raises ethical questions about their their current portfolio and what they're doing to pad their their platform uh, before they announce. So I, I'm glad we're going into a long weekend. I'm exhausted. Shock, shocking news, Albert. I actually agree with almost everything Blaze just said. Stop the presses. Blaze and I are probably laughing about that harder than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, centrist has become a four letter words in politics in this country. And yet I think what most parties continually and consistently miss is that the vast majority of Canadians, even the vast majority of Albertans are centrist. They may be center right, they may be center left, they may be dead center, but the majority of us are centrist. What does that mean? Well, it means we want our government to handle the finances properly. We want them to stay out of our bedrooms and our wombs. This isn't complicated. It shouldn't be complicated. But when when we try to amalgamate parties where one tiny but loud faction in the party is more concerned about stopping the gays and stopping the women and the the rest of the stuff that we've debated and dealt with and the courts in this country have dealt with 100 times over and we don't need to revisit, that's when we're going to have issues. Until... Until major conservative parties in this country define who they are outside of a big tent party, we're going to continually run into this problem. And there isn't going to be a Stephen Harper sweeping in to save these parties. There there just isn't. It's a different time. And I think one of the issues, though, is is to, to both your comments, is that it takes a little bit longer to have that conversation. 
And our current setup of how we kind of view politics or how we're, we're taking in that information and how we're judging, quite frankly, how we're judging politics and politicians is like on Twitter or on social media or the 30-second news story. I mean, you know, I, I often get from uh, people who are looking for the Alberta Party to, why aren't you in the news? Well, because... The, quite frankly, a journalist doesn't call me because I can't add any more conflict to the story. I don't. So, so why would they call me? And, but the fact is they're not asking for a solution or they're not asking how we would do it different. To Blaze's point, uh, you know, we're not talking about, isn't there something more important than you know, Devin Dreeshin or this and that and the other thing? Isn't there? There are lots more important things, uh, but we don't, no one ever wants to talk about them. It's only in this kind of forum that people do. And, and, and then, you know, how do, we, how do we advance that? It's a bigger, it's a longer conversation. And when I'm with groups of 10 or 20 or 30 and we're talking about it, that is what we talk about. We talk about the opportunities for Albertans, how we can concentrate on the things that are important, like healthcare and education. How, we, how do we advance to the point where my grandchildren, my children still have opportunity in this province? But guess what? You cannot get that on the news. You cannot uh, have that conversation in social media unless you wedge out such a thin slice of it and attract attention, both negative and positive, that you get exposure. But then that doesn't advance the conversation. It's, it's a frustrating place to be. But, you know, I, from my municipal experience, I know people do. We get 30% turnout for voting because mostly people are happy with what's going on. That's my view of it. But are, are they don't happy? Have the conflict. I don't know if it's because they're they happy. Or, yeah, I don't think they're happy. I think they're disengaged. Yeah. And that's the challenge, right? There's, I, and especially, I know I'm online a lot. Blaze, you're online a lot. Ryan, you're online a lot. Barry, I've seen your, uh, your online presence tick up considerably over the last few months. If there's one thing the four of us know, it's that outrage is the, the theme of the day every day. It's not about communication anymore. It's about outrage. This is why I've changed my approach. I don't. I don't debate people online. I don't argue with them because you're but not. But you're doing so any good words. at it. <laughs> I just, but I don't enjoy it anymore, and I start feeling like you know I'm amplifying the negative. I, I'm also. I'm, you're not persuading anyone online. No, we don't change minds fighting each other online, and oh, now we're we're trapped in this timeline where it's outrage, outrage, outrage. And then people telling us, well, you can't talk to this person because they're a conservative. You can't be friends with this person because they're a socialist. We don't like who your circle is. So we're shutting others out even more. I, how can we spend four years ripping apart, ripping each other apart online and then show up on each other's doorsteps and say, hey, vote for us. It doesn't work that way. And that's really become how politics functions in this province. I agree with Blaze. We need, if, if the UCP wants to see any success, if they want to come out of this and beat back the NDP, they've got to bring in a fresh face. They don't need uh, Brian Jean, who's quit twice at two different levels of government. They don't need Danielle Smith, who basically took out an opposition party by crossing the floor to join Jim Prentice and the PCAA. They've got to bring in a fresh face and they've got to be willing to let the more nutty faction of the party go. Let them go. They're, they're loud, but there's not enough of them to really do any damage to the party. And if they let them go, then they might be able to pull in some of those more center-right 
people. Because that's, right now, that's Barry's, the problem. Yeah, they, they, they're the ones who buy the memberships. Yeah. That's the fundamental yeah. problem that we have. They're the ones who buy the memberships. But I think, you know, Kathleen, you keep talking about like a, a Stephen Harper figure coming in. Like, I, I think that's the other fundamental problem that we have this this cult of the leader as like the the salvation for every kind of political movement. Um, you know, when it comes to sports, people cheer for the team. They don't cheer for the coach. Uh, they may cheer for a player, but we need, I, I, I understand it's difficult to get beyond this, but I, I think I think there's a fundamental problem with how we look at politics and we all rally around a leader rather than a team. And if someone can find kind of the secret sauce to make ideas the number one factor, I think I think that's one step to getting beyond this problem that we've, the cycle of problems that we find ourselves in. I think the reason though that people are looking for that Stephen Harper is because Stephen Harper seemed to be uh, one of the few politicians capable of, of keeping that, uh, that big tent intact of keeping the poles up, you know, and which is what you need when you're uh, amalgamating a, a faction of people who simply don't agree with each other. The big problem we've had over the last year, especially, is that the UCP has spent more time at each other's throats than they have spent governing. And Premier Kenny spent more time trying to please everyone instead of just doing what was most effective and the the family drama that is caused and now we're going to deal with this family trauma drama at least until the fall you know we're going to have a, a government that is spending more time stabbing each other in the back dividing up into factions over which candidate they're going to support than they are governing i, I have to disagree i don't i don't think uh, Kenny's problem was that he was trying to please everyone. I think Kenny's problem was that he had a very clear idea of how to run this province that was from 2019 and he plowed ahead with it and he didn't adapt uh, his leadership style or his policies to the fundamental change that happened as a result of COVID. I think that's valid. Yeah, I yeah, think that's yeah. a very valid point that he uh, he doesn't know how to bend in the wind to avoid breaking. Well, please, please give us an example. Like what, what would be something where you think he needed, isn't it funny in politics where you say, you know, he was governing based on a concept out of 2019. That's just an eternity in politics. You know, for most people, if you're driving a 2019 vehicle, you feel pretty good about your relatively new vehicle, <laughs> but your, your 2019 Dodge Ram still looks pretty good uh, unless it's that blue one. But, but what's a specific example of something where you think he really needed to pivot and, and, and maybe where he got exposed? Well, he, he, he kept talking about uh, his the 320, 350 uh, campaign commitments that they've kept. And frankly, no one cares about that. Like, I understand why he talks about that. That's about uh, establishing trust. This is what we said we do. We've done it. Therefore, you should trust us. The problem is, in between all of that, there's been a lot of things that happened that have kind of burned through that trust. So it just doesn't work. Um like they they haven't adapted on the insurance rates um the uh the energy rebate has is still is not out the door so they and 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 then and then they 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 cling to these these key messages when they're 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 uh pressed on it and it's just it's 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 so robotic it's 
it's I don't know. It's 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 been frustrating to, to robotic is robotics the perfect word for it, Blaze. Even when Kenny was giving his resignation speech uh, on Wednesday, there was an aspect of of that to him. I I think for all the mythology surrounding Jason Kenny and and who he he's been as a politician, I think he struggles to connect with people on a deeper level. I mean, everybody can like Jason Kenney in conservative circles. He's been liked for a very long time, but I think he struggles to let down his guard and he's always on. He's always on, on, on. You you never see him without that politician facade. I mean, no one would have thought that Doug Ford would outwit and outlast the the conservative the mega conservatives in this country and Doug Ford's still hanging in there and I think that's really because Doug Ford has a sincere everyman aesthetic <clears throat> that people connect with he he doesn't pretend to be the smartest guy in the room ever he is more than willing to to look stupid and apologize for it and People like that doesn't make him a great premier, but people do like that. Jason Kenney is incapable of that. Jason Kenney cannot say, I screwed up. I'm sorry. He cannot hold uh, on his own errors. And for conservatives, especially, that's unacceptable. When when the bootstrap faction hears their leader, you know, back away from any sort of responsibility, well, responsibility, personal responsibility is part of his ongoing rhetoric. That's not going to play well. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind just responding to a couple things there. You know, you to, to blaze and Kathleen's point, you don't know what you don't know. And, and the UCP and Jason Kenney don't know what's going on out here. They don't know what's going on. They, they don't know what's going on in Brooks. They don't know what's going on in, in inner city Edmonton or Calgary. They, they just don't know. They, they like to say they do, and they like to say they're supporting it, but they don't know. And you can't find that out unless, unless you go out and talk to them. Uh, to your point, Kathleen, about relationships. I mean, that's, that's why I feel I'm in a good position. I've toured this entire province from the smallest village to the biggest city. And I believe I've, one thing I've come to know is there's so much unique uh, separation between communities and how they need to approach problems that they need to be empowered to do them. You don't know that unless you go there. You, they don't talk to you about that unless you go there. And Blaze makes a great point about people, the affordability of people. People are struggling, and and uh, you know, uh, we're and we struggle to find the air to have that conversation. But I can tell you that you can't do it if you don't know. And that's one what? of the approaches we're quite different about: is that our MRLAs are going to be able to do that and speak that and be part of that because it's important uh, to understand and know what's going on. You can't respond to that unless you do. But I think all parties are guilty of that to a certain extent. I mean, the NDP is an urban party. I don't think they're connecting with ruralites whatsoever. And oh, I don't very I'm, very I'm not centralized. even sure they're they're <clears throat> trying, you know, whereas conservatives are they definitely have that that rural base, that southern Alberta base, and they know it, but they're sure not trying to connect up here. Yeah. But but the fact is the big issue on the issues for everybody, they're all the same. They just approach them differently. And you have to be willing and flexible to do that. The, the rural, the way people, rural healthcare in rural Alberta is different. They accept limitations, but there's a, there's a different ex- expectation as there is in the city. And if, if you don't look at Alberta in its uniqueness and, and be able to 
uh, say, what are our outcomes? The outcomes we want are, are this and how we build that can be different. Uh, but there is no one in Edmonton and, and I, as a municipal leader, I got to see it when neither of those, the last two governments have ever bothered to talk to municipalities about, you know, what's possible? How can you help us? They don't. Um, they impose, and that's been a problem. I mean, we get more and more isolation at the top. Mm -hmm. We get power consolidated more and more and a completely out of touch uh, government. And that's, uh, we need to avoid that in the future. That's that's what I'm trying to do because I know it's been effective uh, for me as a governor in the past. And that's to talk to people in a grocery store down the aisle and say, hey, what's going, why can't we pick up your garbage properly? They tell you, and then there's someone in your system who can fix it for you. But Blaze, you that's- You don't a, know what you don't know. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Barry. Blaze, that's a strategy though, right? I mean, it's it's a provincial government, this government that, that has that has made a name for itself by being quite combative or establishing a certain tone with its relationship with the municipalities, right? Like, like with changes, everyone. To, changes to the MJ. Well, you're right, Kathleen, and that's a fair well, comment. Everyone. The lack of consultation on virtually every file changes to the MGA, like, like downloading yeah. costs on policing. I mean, I could go for 40 minutes, <clears throat> but I'm not a panelist. Blaze. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think they, 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 they burned through their, you know, historic democratic mandate within days, you know, like they went, they went to battle with doctors, with municipalities, uh, with teachers right out of the gate. And I, it, it really set the tone for a combative uh, or sorry, combative, uh, uh, you know, lack of uh, thoughtful process. I, I don't like getting hung up on process, but process always matters. Um, you know, they, 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 it, it started out as a very arrogant top down government and, you know, having worked there, that's exactly what it was like. Um, and, and that, that, that's how they ended up in this mess because that's how they treated their caucus. Uh, the ca the caucus management is probably the most, uh, the, 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 gra the greatest error that this government committed. Uh, having come from Saskatchewan, we had remarkable caucus management through uh, Premier Brad Wall. Caucus was held every day. Everyone was heard. And you, if you missed it, you better have a damn good excuse as to why you weren't at caucus. Um, it, 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 was, it was like Sunday mass. You, you just could not escape it. And people were respected in it. Uh, I sat in a few of those meetings and uh, they were very thoughtful uh, and there, there were tense moments, but you know, you, you respected everyone. You, you, you were heard, you had an opportunity to speak, uh, and, and the, the premier had to defend himself as well. Uh, and we just caucus was tr treated with contempt. Uh, I think there was some staffing issues as well, where, uh, you know, caucus staff were representing the premier's office to caucus rather than the other way. And and that's that's why we're we're at where we're at. I mean, it's a one of a number of reasons uh, why we're at where we're at. And 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 I, I just want to go back to something that the premier has done throughout this process is misrepresenting his opposition. And in doing so, he 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 he, he fanned the flames of his opposition. His opposition wasn't just hard right. And regrettably, we're seeing how successful of a messenger he is because a lot of out of province media is reporting that Jason Kenney lost his leadership review because of the hard right. 
it was not the hard right. It was it was a bunch of factions who were frustrated with his his leadership style and his refusal to, you know, uh, adapt, amend policies that look good on paper, but in execution uh, ended up being flawed. And it, it was made up of a lot of people, uh, libertarians, uh, folks my, like myself who were just frustrated with the tone and the, the treatment of people. Uh, and then, you know, there, there were anti-lockdown people who were also opposed. There were rural Albertans, there were urban Albertans, there were people from Edmonton, Medicine Hat, all over. His, his opposition is, that, is truly diverse. It, it was a big tent opposition. A big tent opposition. We, I, like, I haven't heard that, but the, yeah, it is. Kathleen, go ahead. Can, can we uh, take a moment, though, to discuss the, ab- the abject humiliation of him now unquitting? And staying on. Hey, Kathleen, I, let me let me provide some context here for you, because and, and I'll, I'll hand the mic right back, I promise. But as we've been talking, like at, people know that we do this live. Most people will listen to this later. But as we've been speaking and, and I'll look to the reporting of Kieran Levitt, who does a great job. He's the Edmonton based national news reporter for the Toronto Star. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Kieran Levitt. He says uh, he reports just about 20 minutes ago. Uh, Jason Kenney enters a cabinet meeting to a standing ovation, a round of applause. He says the most important thing is to focus on, quote, people's priorities even though he signaled his intention to step down once a new leader of the ucp is elected on to pipeline says kieran kenny starts talking about trade his washington dc trip last week energy security and the u.s he says uh, this is kieran who's seen it all as a political reporter it's strange to see this today on wednesday night it seemed like kenny had all but resigned yesterday caucus agreed he would stay on until a new leader is chosen who knows when now he's holding court at a round table of cabinet ministers many of whom likely still support him kathleen like what what the hell is he doing what talk about talk about entirely destroying your own legacy does he think that he can just ride it out for a few months and they'll decide they're going to keep him after all i this is i i get that that jason kenny has never done anything but politics in his life he is a career politician Politics is his bride. He is married to his ideology. I get all that. But there was this mythical political great that lived in our heads, that lived in in Canadian lore. And for me, if I'm just watching all of this dispassionately, I'm watching him destroy his own legacy on his own. He's going out like a fool which is really shocking to me because for all of Jason Kenny's character flaws, I never took him for a fool. And he just looks like he's clinging so desperately to, to his political life, his political career, this party, the, the office of the premier. And it's not a good look. It's not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the party. Well, I think it, you know, it speaks to the strength of the rest of them. I mean, when, when someone quits and then is, basically, you know, uh, applauded as the hero coming into the first meeting of the week. It just doesn't make any sense. There's a huge <laughs> vacuum there. There's a huge vacuum there. I, I can't imagine. I just, I can't imagine it. But, you know, well, a lot I, of those people that, who are oh, clapping right now are yeah. making phone calls to fundraise for their own leadership. To oh, absolutely. I, I, I so it's it. pure, so we get more of the it's same, pure spectacle though. right now. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it has nothing to do with good government, and which, which is unfortunate because to our point earlier, it's the conversation we should be having more about. 
uh, but it looks like everybody's positioning, making sure they're in favorable cap, making sure they're mm-hmm. they're not going to you know get get the ire of Jason Kenney in order to the damage my potential leadership hopes. We're just going to get more of this, and Alberta is going to suffer as a result. We 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 need to look for options. Uh, I present one. I think Rachel Notley does present one. I think we should be having those discussions about ideas and what the province looks like, and and not worry about not worry so much, but we're going to be enraptured by this. We're going to see news stories and uh, which is unfortunate because we'll miss the conversation we're supposed to be having with Albertans uh, and, and hearing what they have to say. Oh, it's going to be a cruel summer. It's going to be a cruel, <laughs> cruel summer. I mean, you think there's fractures in this party right now. Just wait to watch what a leadership race does, because sure, we might have, you know, Brian, Jean, Daniel Smith. I've no doubt Rick McIver is going to throw his hat in the ring because he'd run for dog catcher if it was an electable office. But we are going to see a few of the less well-known and perhaps a little nuttier candidates come out, too. I I think it's going to be a hard summer for the UCP. It's a it's the worst possible time for a leadership <clears throat> race. We're still in a pandemic. We've got an opioid crisis. We've got a healthcare crisis. The party itself is fractured. They've spent so much time over the past two years stabbing each other in the back that the governing has just gone to hell in a handbasket. So I, I think it's going to be hard for them to keep it together through this leadership race. And it is going to be a cruel summer for the rest of us. Y'all might want to take some time I, off social media. I to, uh, <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You know, something that not a lot of people are talking about um, is this Pytel report, this HR report that the government's sitting on. And uh, this amid allegations that there have been real problems behind closed doors uh, that that include but are not limited to uh, excessive use of alcohol, uh, mistreatment of staff members, allegations of uh, sexual harassment, et cetera. Um, I want to ask all three of you about this in particular, Blaze. I mean, you were there at the Alberta legislature. Can you comment on the significance of this report and uh, and the government sitting on it? People are starting to more prominently. I'm noticing it from the grassroots demand that that report be released. The government sitting on it hasn't released it yet, obviously. I, I, I hope they release the full report. Uh, as I understand it, they committed to releasing their new policies. I think it's it's important to shine a light on the culture uh, under the United Conservative Party government culture. And I think a lot of people participated in that that report in good faith. And they 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 participated in it because they thought change would come from it. Uh, and I, I, I worry it's going to be treated as another political document that can be gerrymandered. Uh, and and dismissed as just a mere report. So I'm 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 hope uh, I'm not hopeful. I, I I wish they would release it in its entirety. I imagine there's she's she's a very credible uh, uh, lawyer and uh, human resources specialist, uh, and she's very thoughtful. And she went into this <clears throat> not with a, a mission to protect the government, but to establish uh, good HR policies. I, I, people like to think that politics is this unique space where you cannot have uh, normal HR policies, and, and and that's just ridiculous. It's just anyone who isn't uh, uh, willing to implement strong HR policies that protect their their staff is is has no business being in charge of anything. Uh, staff need to be protected. Preach yeah, that. Agreed. Preach yeah. that. 
and, and this is a pattern too, right? You you get a report, you you just you know kind of get the temperature down, and then when the report comes out, you you release it on a Friday. Just an executive summary comes out. Nobody really gets to redo it. <laughs> that that's that's another thing that's wrong. That in, enhances the disconnection that we have. People want people are smart. They understand what these words mean, <laughs> you know, lack of whatever, everybody else seems to be withholding things from them. Transparency is an important part of government. And you take the government leaders have to take the good with the bad um, and, and hopefully learn a lesson if things don't go well. But you have to get people involved in the process. You have to trust them. There's no way they're ever going to trust you if you don't trust them. So give them the information. Uh, your job as a governor is to do better, learn and do better, and move on from there. But hiding things is, is a pattern this government has done, uh, whether it was the RCMP report, uh, whether it was the report with Madhu, I mean, you know, on and on it goes. Uh, they just, they, they, they want to hide behind some, they think they can be smarter than us. And the fact is they're not. It's, 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 uh, it's yeah. not, and it's not acceptable governance. That's, um, that's probably my main frustration with this government, Barry, is that I'm tired of being treated like an idiot. I'm 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 so tired of this government looking at all of us like we're fools, uh, we're we're uneducated, we don't have the in intellect required to really understand what they're doing. We understand what you're doing, we don't like it. Yeah. No, Stop trying to hide the rest of it from us cuz right. we're on to you. It's insulting and it should be insulting to every Alberta to be treated like a fool, to be consistently lied to, to Jason Kenney promised he was going to give us the most transparent government in this province's history. And what he has given us is lie after lie, scandal after scandal, cover up after cover up, and frankly, really shitty governing. Yeah. That is and, and uh, the, okay, Barry. Rap, and I, yeah. I, I, I just looked at the clock and went, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Go ahead, I Barry. think. I, I think this is the pattern we have to break. We, we really do, and and every single MLA in that legislature is responsible to do it. That 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 report, that re, those reports, that information that comes out. You know what? Your 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 constituencies or constituents, sorry, voted for you so that you could be a conduit, not just one way, but also for that, to make sure that you're bringing information to them, not the speaking notes, not the briefing paper. Uh, that's because that's all a UCP MLA ever brings to my area is the, the last publication that their press secretary gave them. Hmm. So that, that's not good. We, 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 we have to do better. That's, and and uh, that's the, my promise to everybody. Barry Morishita, I like that you got that little campaign in there at the end. Hey, Barry, <laughs> hey why are you here oh, if you're Barry. not going to do that? Why are always you gonna, be campaigning. Always be campaigning, <laughs> baby. ABC. That's Barry Morishita, leader of the Alberta Party. Uh, Kathleen Smith uh, joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the Women of Alberta Politics podcast. You can link to it all through her Twitter account, Kiki Planet, even though she's not picking fights anymore. I got to say, Kathleen, I love that you're keeping it classy, but but I love that firebrand, too. I mean, that was... Uh, I'm an old now. Yeah, I'm an yeah, old now. Yeah, got to yeah, take yeah. care of the ticker. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And Blaze Bomber from National PR. It's always great to get the three of you here back on the show thanks, thanks for doing everyone. this and have a great long weekend 
Thank you. A good, a good, good conversation. Uh, Johnny's just looking Amazing. at me. He's like, you're like, you're like, we still going to get to trash talk, pal? Or like, what's yeah. up? We got to get moving here. I could talk. I could, I could listen to those three go back and forth talk because you could take that in any direction on any angle. And I think it's three respected points of view. They don't come at everything from the same angle, uh, but this is what we want real talk to be known for. And 100%. this is what we bring you, what we promise to bring you all the time is like civil focused, real conversations about issues that matter and are relevant to real people. And I want to thank you all for your participation as well. Is there a round table you would just love to see? I mean, it could be subject matter, or maybe you have a list of names that you'd love our production team to start working on, to start getting them together. We love hearing from you. Your feedback by leaving comments on our videos on YouTube, by leaving reviews of our podcast, rating it. Can we ask for five stars? That goes a long way in helping us understand what you're most interested in hearing or seeing right here on Real Talk. Now, of course, by a mile, the most engagement we have with you, our audience, is through Trash Talk. That's our Friday tradition presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. That's coming up in just a second. One of my favorites of all time, and not just because I wrote it. It wasn't that long ago. As a matter of fact, July 29th, but we want to play it here for you in our best of because I think it's an important premise, an important message to keep in mind in the context of social media. That trash talk in just a second, but first... Kubi Energy wants to remind Canadians there's a $40,000 interest-free loan available from the federal government for homeowners looking to install solar. It's never been more energy efficient nor affordable to go green at home. The team at Kubi is experts. They handle all the paperwork and, of course, it's professionally installed. Get your free quote today at kubienergy.ca. Athabasca University is Canada's online university. Their world-class accredited online programs and courses offer you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. So whether you're looking to upgrade with a certain course or perhaps kick off an undergraduate program, you can do it with the confidence that it's going to suit your lifestyle. Learn more today at AthabascaU.ca. Covenant Health has made a huge difference for patients and their loved ones for more than 160 years. And for 30 years, the Covenant Foundation Lottery has played a role in making a difference for those in their care. Every ticket purchased has a far-reaching impact. Thanks to you, Covenant Health is at the forefront of technological innovations and a leader in palliative and urgent care. Get your tickets today at covenantfoundationlottery.ca. Every Friday, our friends at Local Environmental give us a chance to blow off a little steam to say what we think in some circumstances, to say what's not being said, what maybe needs to be said. It's a tradition we call Trash Talk! All right, so this week I had some folks ask for, no, 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 demand insight into why I might block somebody or several people on Twitter. It feels like a good time to remind everybody how this all works. Nobody is obligated to give you access to their social media. You are not entitled 
to the privilege of reading somebody's posts, enjoying their personal photos, or learning more about what makes them tick. Without debate, every individual has the right to choose the extent to which they participate in social media, including what they post, who they follow, or who follows them. Nobody owes you an explanation as to why they've withdrawn their consent for you to access their account. There are many reasons why somebody may ignore, mute, or block people, lock down their own account, or even burn it all down. Perhaps they're tired of being agitated, antagonized, harassed, bullied, misrepresented, plagued, provoked, badgered, hounded, pestered, or heckled. Perhaps they're done with you hijacking their posts. Perhaps they're saying no to bad faith arguments or locust-style attacks. Maybe they just feel like it. Maybe they're having a tough day. Maybe they're having a great day. Maybe it's for their mental health. Maybe it's just for kicks. All that matters is nobody owes you jack squat. When you're a public-facing person who hears from hundreds of people every day, hitting the block button is the cheapest form of therapy. Heck, I'd probably block more people if I didn't already have them muted and off my radar. Don't be offended, and please don't be angry. It's not you, it's me. Actually, no, it is you. Still, though, there's more to life than Twitter, and there's certainly more to productive discourse than whatever you call what happens on that hell site. So, to all the folks I've blocked before, go for a walk, get yourself some fresh air, and maybe we'll have a chance to chat in person sometime, where I guarantee you won't say the things to my face that you throw in my face online. That is real talk for real life, which is all that really matters. Yeah, that one never gets old. You can send us your trash talk anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And of course, that email inbox open 24-7, no matter when you need to vent. Our thanks to our friends at Local Environmental Services for presenting that week after week. We're going to be back at it live coming up on Monday morning. We'll have a lot to talk about and a lot to catch up on. We look forward to seeing you again in our live chat on YouTube. Tuned in to our live audio streaming app. That's Mixler. And of course, checking out our podcast when it drops late Monday morning. In the meantime, if you want to get your hands on a Real Talk t-shirt, one of our snapback caps, our studio mugs, golf balls, or maybe one of our knitted toques, check out the merch link right now at ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, technical producer John Hicks, general manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.